Well, good morning. Let me welcome you. It is so good to see you today, and uh, especially after my little episode last weekend. Drew did an outstanding job considering I called him at 8.30 on uh, Saturday morning and said, Brother, you better pull one out of your back pocket. And uh, he did a great job. But thank you for your prayers. Thank you for praying for us. Let me again welcome you, those of you joining us online, and those of you that are over in Overflow this morning, let me welcome you. We are in a brand new series this year, and our theme is literally entitled Above and Beyond. And uh, our passage that we've been looking at is found in Colossians 3, 2. He says, set your mind on things that are above and not things upon this earth. I will tell you that if we're going to be the church that I believe that God truly wants us to be in 22 and into the future, it is because that's exactly what we're doing. We are setting our mind on things above and not things upon this earth. And as I begin to pray about this, I begin to realize that the foundational truth, as we set the foundation for this series, really had to deal with the sense of faithfulness. And what I mean by that is, if we're going to be above and beyond, above and beyond in what? Above and beyond in our walk with God, above and beyond in our faith, above and beyond in our serving, above and beyond in our giving, above and beyond in sharing our faith. And as I said, I really and truly believe that all of that, the foundation for that in your life and my life, is based upon the subject of faithfulness. And faithfulness, when you really get down to it, is a trust issue. Now, before we get into Matthew chapter 25, we're going to be looking this morning in verses 14 through 30. I want to give to you this morning just seven characteristics of what a faithful person really looks like. First of all, a faithful person is one who is consistent. What I mean by that is that there is this repetitive side of their behavior. They are consistently consistent. They're not up. They're not down. They're just consistent in everything they do. Secondly, they are reliable. That is, you can depend upon them. They do not overpromise and underdeliver. Thirdly, they are honorable. In other words, this sense of being faithful is driven by their character and their integrity. And when we talk about honor, it simply means this. It is the sense of predictability, if you will, about their behavior. That is, they're going to say what they're going to do. They're going to do what they say. There's no hidden agenda, but there is honor at the heart and the core of who they are. Next, we discover that they are disciplined. Faithful people are always disciplined. What I mean by that is that they're disciplined in their behavior and their emotions. In other words, they are constantly, habitually living out what, they have, what has been entrusted to them. It's not hot and cold. It's like, well, today I'm going to be faithful in this, and then I'll quit for a year, and then I'll be faithful in it again, and then I won't be. No, there is this dependability about them. And let me just say this to you. You cannot be unfaithful and disciplined at the very same time. There is a sense that there is this driving force within your life that they've learned the value, listen, of saying no to the secondary things and able to say yes to the primary things. Next, I want you to discover they are humble. Humility is one of the driving forces of a person who is faithful. They have a healthy respect for authority. And this is really where humility comes from. It's where it is birth, is out of that respect for others and that respect for authority. And so they're able to follow through on what they are committed to. That's just what faithful people do. And then faithful people are accountable. They are marked by this sense of a driven force of accountability. They realize, you know what, I'm going to someday give an account for what I have promised. I'm going to give an account for what I've said that I'm going to do, for what has been given to me, and that I am to steward what God has entrusted to me. So because of that accountability, 
I'm committed to do what I said that I was going to do. And then I want you to notice, last of all, they're responsible. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, they have come to the point where they are stewarding what has been entrusted to them. They're responsible to show up. What I've discovered about people who are truly faithful is that it gives unbelievable insight into their character and insight into who they are. When you come to this 25th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, I have preached from, matter of fact, when we were in our building program, I actually preached from this because a lot of times we think this is more about stewardship in the sense of money because this guy has, this master has entrusted to his servants a certain amount of money. But what I want you to realize is that really at the heart of Matthew 25 is not so much about stewardship of money, but the stewardship of faithfulness. And what I have discovered is that Matthew 25, the dominant sense and truth in this text is about faithfulness. So what I want to do with you this morning is I want to give you four truths that come out of this text. And here's the first one. First of all, faithfulness is a matter of trust. Look at verse 14. He says, for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. Now, I want you just to sit there for a moment. I want you to go back and let your heart really rest, if you will, on that little verse. Listen to it again. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants, and here's the word I want you to underline, entrusted to them his property. Look at that word entrusted. For what Jesus is doing in this text, he's painting a portrait for us here that anybody who has a relationship with God the Father owns absolutely nothing. In other words, your wife, your husband, your children, your job, they don't belong to you. Your grandchildren don't belong to you. The house that you just paid off doesn't belong to you. Everything as a believer, everything as a child of God has been entrusted to you and I literally by a loving father. And let me just say this to you this morning. If you don't get that as a child of God, then you'll never get the sense of what the Bible teaches about faithfulness. Because faithfulness is really a matter of stewardship. It, it's not about this, this being the single proprietor of everything within your life. But everything, your talents, your abilities, your gifts, everything about your life, everything that is about the DNA and the totality of who you are has been entrusted to you by a loving father. Now, let me ask you a question. What was entrusted to these servants? Well, look at the text. Two things. Number one, it says his property or his resources. But here's the next thing that I think a lot of times we totally miss, and that is the owner's trust. Do you understand that most of us as Christians totally miss that aspect of the Christian life? Do you realize that one of the greatest gifts, one of the greatest things that God has endowed you with is, first of all, the fact that God trusts you? I remember as a kid growing up, dad used to always tell me, son, I will always trust you unless you give me a reason not to trust, and then you got to re-earn the trust. And the fact that God is saying, listen, I trust you. I trust you with gifts. I trust you with talents. I trust you with ability. I trust you with family. I trust you with character. I trust you with everything. And so this is how he sets up this parable, that faithfulness is always a matter of trust. Secondly, Faithfulness acknowledges different capacities and capabilities. Look, if you will, in verse 15. He says, to one who gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. And then notice the rebel just simply says he went his way. You see, what I discovered out of this is this man, this master, if there's anything that he knew, he knew his servants. 
He knew what they were capable of. He knew that each one of them was different, different personalities. And so notice how the entrusted won this, won this, and won this. God does the very same thing with us. When you begin to think about it, listen, it's not how much you have, but it's what you do with what God has entrusted to you. He understood these guys had different capabilities, different capacities. Same thing is true about you and I spiritually. God gives to you and I spiritual gifts. Now, I believe there are some that has more than others. Some may have one or two. But God gives those spiritual gifts according to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And he gives those gifts, listen, based upon our capacity or our abilities. But notice this. In this text, he does not give them specific instructions on what to do with it. He didn't say that, I want you to take a third of it and invest it in bonds. I want you to take a third of it and go over here and, and, and invest it in stocks. He, he simply didn't do that. The same thing is true with your talents and gifts. Do you understand? Think about this. Do you know what a talent was that he actually gave to them? Get this. It was 20 years worth of wages. That's nothing to sneeze at, amen? 20 years worth of wages he entrusted to them. Think about it. He said, in other words, you need to do business with this. And I believe there's a little insight here if you really look at it, because I think what he was saying is, guys, I want you to use your mind. I want you to think through. I want you to pray through. I want you to have discernment in what is the very best thing to do with what I've entrusted to you. And what I want you to realize this morning, for every one of us sitting in this room, for those of you that are watching online or those in the overflow this morning, that's exactly what God has done to every one of us. Stop for a moment and look at what God has given to you to work with. Some of you have unbelievable gifts in playing instruments. Some of you have unbelievable gifts in singing. Some of you have great teaching ability. Some of you, you say, well, I don't have any of that, but man, I'm good with my hands. All of us. That's why the Bible talks about that the body is like hands, feet, and eyes, and ears, and nose. We we all can't be the same thing, but all of us have different gifts and different abilities. And God says, listen, what I want you to understand is, I, I want you to look at what God has given to you. Don't focus on what the opportunity is first. That's what a lot of us do. But first of all, think about what God has entrusted to you to work with. That's what you steward. What God has given to you to work with. And then what do you do? You take what God's given to you and you maximize the opportunity with what God sets before you. And in doing so, that's what helps you make the right decision. But far too many of us as believers today, we're totally ignoring what God has given to us to steward. In fact, if you want to get real honest, a lot of us are trying to be something that we're never meant to be. And then we wonder why there's no joy and there's no peace and there's no satisfaction because we're trying to be something that we are not. And the question is this, what has God given you to work with? Sit down, take inventory of that. And if God says, this is your gift, this is your ability, then the next question is, what are you doing with it? Are you just sitting on it? See, it's amazing. He doesn't tell them exactly what to do with it, but he assumes that they're going to have discernment, that they're going to pray through that and think that they're going to use their minds, and then they're going to match it up with the opportunities that God has set before them. Third principle. Faithfulness also carries an expectation on a return of investment. Now, I don't know what some of you are going to say. You're going to say, man, that kind of sounds unspiritual. Well, if that's the case, then you're going to have to literally discount all biblical Christianity because throughout all biblical Christianity, there is always an expectation. Look at what he says in verse 16. He says, 
He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But, <laughs> listen to this guy, but he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. You understand that in those three verses, immediately what you discover is, is that there is this expectation of return in the investment. Every single follower, every child of God, all of us, there is this expectation of being fruitful. Read Galatians 5, we find the fruit of the Spirit. Go over to John chapter 15, it's the fruit of obedience. Matter of fact, in John chapter 15, if you go back and read it, he says, if you abide what? In me, you're going to be fruitful. And you're going to go from more fruit to much fruit. So he says there is this progression. Accomplishment, hear me, in the Christian life is not anti-spirituality. Leveraging what God has given to you is very biblical. The problem is we don't do that much today. Getting the most out of what God has given to you is an expectation in Scripture. And faithfulness is driven by this expectation that there is going to be an investment on the return. Now notice what happened. The first two guys do what? They put their money to good use. The third servant, though, to be honest with you, is kind of a mousy-minded little fellow, if you want to know the truth. If you look at what he did, what does he do? He thought what he wanted to do was more important, don't miss this, than what he was entrusted to do. And can I tell you this morning, that is always, always the challenge to faithfulness. Every one of us. What are you going to do with what you've been trusted to do with? And the problem is he didn't use or want to use what had been given to him. So you know what he does? He goes out, he digs a hole in the ground, and he buries it. And by burying it, guess what happened? In his mind, there was no possibility of gain. But at the same time, there was no possibility of loss. Did you hear what I said? So he just goes and buries it and goes, you know what? I, there, there's no possibility of gain, but there's also no possibility of loss. Listen to me. Hear me. He played it safe. And I will tell you, one of the greatest challenges of the church today is that too many of us are playing it safe. And what we've allowed to happen is out of fear or out of laziness, or perhaps even a combination of both, we're playing it safe. What many of us have failed to realize is there is a calling from God. And those gifts and those talents and those abilities that God has given to you, listen to me. If you're not using them, then it's like going and digging a hole in the backyard and totally burying it. And what is frightening to me because of what I've seen happen across the last couple of years because of COVID is for a lot of us, we've got content now just simply to sit home and watch it happen. Now, I'm not talking about if you're sick. I'm not talking about if you've got illnesses that can allow you to come. But what's happened is we go do everything else. Amen or oh me. We go to everything else. We go to the kids' stuff. We go here. We go there. We do everything else. Oh, but when it comes to Sunday morning, oh, I'm just going to sit home and watch it. Listen to me this morning. Please hear me because I, I love you. If we're not careful, we're playing right into the hands of Satan. 
because we're playing it safe. And family, the clock is ticking and the years are flying by. And what is happening across the churches of America today is our fear has become deeply entrenched. And some of us have got so sophisticated enough that we have sanitized our fear into spiritual sounding terms. What's the alternative? What are we afraid of? What are we scared of? I've had people look at me and say to me, well, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid, I'm scared of making a mistake. If you don't get anything else I say today, don't miss this. Hear me this morning. God can redeem your mistake, but he cannot redeem your inactivity. Did you hear what I said? You can learn from your mistake. All of us make mistakes. And you can learn from it and grow from it and develop from it. But listen to me, you cannot grow at all from inactivity. You learn nothing from that. And so he hides it and he digs a hole in the ground. And, and I'll be honest with you, I think he was both fearful as well as lazy. But then we come to the fourth truth. And that his faithfulness is motivated by accountability. I think there's a lot of times we think that ultimately we are our own accountability. And I think what I mean by that is we think if we're not careful that freedom means that I can do whatever I want to do. Ultimately, I myself am the source and I am the judgment of my own accountability. Listen to me. Every last one of us, there is a dead reckoning that will take place. Ultimately, ultimately, you don't get to choose what God has given to you. Listen to what he says in verse 19. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with him. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I've made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little, and I will set you over much. Enter into the joys of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I've made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joys of your master. But look at verse 24. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew that you had to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. And look how he puts this. Here, you have what's yours. Two things I want you to notice. First of all, look at the reckoning here. The master was gone a long time. The Bible doesn't tell us how long he was gone. It just said he was gone a long time. But let me show you what the first two servants did. They maximized during the length of time in which their master was gone with what they had been entrusted with. But look at the response of the third servant. He had time <laughs> to rationalize and get comfortable with his disobedience. What's the difference? The master didn't give a date when he was coming back. But let me tell you what happened to the first two. They lived with an uncertainty which drove an urgency. Think about it. Do you realize this morning that is true of the coming of Christ? He doesn't tell us when he's coming. Now, he gives us signs, and there are birth pains. We know that in Scripture. 
but he doesn't tell us exactly when he's coming back. And in doing so, you and I are to live with an uncertainty which feeds and fuels an urgency. There's not a one of us in this room or watching online or sitting over in the overflow this morning that you have the guarantee that you got tomorrow. You don't know that you got next month. You don't know that you have next year. You see, to not be faithful is a dangerous thing. Because what happens is you end up talking yourself into such a comfortable disobedience that if you're not careful, you begin to rationalize and you forget that there's a day of reckoning. But only there's a day of reckoning, there's a day of reward. Look how it is expressed to them. He says, well done. When you translate that, it actually has the terminology that we would use for bravo. Bravo, great job, well done, good and faithful servant. So what does he do? He commends them. He salutes them. He brags upon them. And how does he do this? Notice, first of all, he says, you're a good and faithful servant. The fact that he said, you did what you said that you were going to do. There is integrity and there is character within your life. Listen to me this morning, family. There is a relationship between what you accomplish and who you are. Don't miss that. Notice their reward has this sense of scope and opportunities. And what is amazing to me, what I've discovered is opportunities always find faithful people. In other words, listen to me. Do not campaign for visibility. Don't campaign for the platform. You pour yourself into what God has called you to do, and then God will take you where you need to be. You don't have to worry about the platform. God says, can I trust you? And then notice what he says. He says, enter the joy of the master. So what happens here, you now see the approval of the master, but guess what it's marked with? It's marked by joy. Why? Because they steward in faithfulness what had been given to them. Let me tell you something I've learned. (laughs) I've learned it the hard way by not doing what God wanted me to do. There is no greater feeling in the world than knowing that you're doing what God's called you to do. No greater feeling. Go back and look at verse 24. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, here. Here's what's yours. I get any more, but at least I didn't lose it. Verse 26. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have at least received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has is going to be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness in that place where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Did you notice what he was called? He said, you're wicked. Why? Because he did not do with what had been entrusted to him. Can I just ask you a real personal question this morning? 
what has God entrusted to you that you're not using it for his glory? And you can have any excuse. You can make it as religious and as spiritual sounding as you want to. That's our problem. That's what we've done. What are you doing with what God has given to you? To not use, hear me this morning, to not use what God has entrusted to us for its intended purpose is the same as misappropriating funds. Think about it. This guy knew its intended purpose, but his poor character would not allow him to do what was right. So Jesus said, you're slothful and you're lazy. So let me ask all of us again, what has God entrusted to you? And can I remind you, it's not so much necessarily what you have, but it is what you do with what you have. There's a song that Steve Green, quite a few years ago, it's entitled, Find Us Faithful. I want you to listen to just one small little portion of it. He says, oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. May the fire of our devotion light their way. May the footprints that we leave lead them to believe. And the lives we live inspire them to obey. Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. Here's a question for every one of us in this room. What is it that God has entrusted you to steward? And are you stewarding it well? Let's stand. Father, I come to you this morning and I pray that, uh, Lord, that somehow you would just rattle our hearts. God, help us to take that spiritual inventory today and ask you what is it that you've given to me, talents, abilities, gifts, whatever it may be. And well, am I using it for you or have I got content just to kind of sit and watch it all happen? Father, I believe in these last days, in these days before you do come, there, because of that uncertainty, there needs to be an urgency. The clock is ticking, time is passing by. Father, I pray that we would not take the gifts and talents and abilities that you've given us and dig a hole and bury it. So when you come, we go, well, here, this is what you gave me and not really done anything with it. But here it is. God, I pray for those that are here today and those that are watching online that today there is the realization they need Jesus as Savior. And that today by faith, they would give their life in Christ. Say, Lord Jesus, save me. Come into my life. Forgive me my sins. For those that you're calling to be a part of this church family, to say this is a church I want to be a part of. I want to grow here. I want to, I want to grab a hold of the rope together, and I want to use the gifts that God has given me to advance the kingdom. God, speak to our hearts today. Stir within us. Nothing more than to hit this altar on our knees saying, God, forgive me for being fearful and lazy and slothful. God, speak to us today. We love you and we praise you. For it's in Christ's name we ask this. Amen.